Welcome to Disney Parks and Beyond, a Disney podcast about theme parks and all things Disney from the After Dark Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Disney Parks and Beyond. I'm Nick and on this episode I am joined by Mr. D. Hi, hi. I am joined by Ryan. Hello. And we are graced with the presence of Sinead. Hello. Welcome and thank you all for coming on. How have we been during this? Um, well, actually, I'll, I'll ask you, Sinead, what's it been like weather-wise? Because where we've been in england it's been bloody raining a lot a lot yeah it's been pretty rainy over here for pretty much the whole weekend although it actually didn't really rain a whole lot today so i mean i'll have jinxed it and it'll last rain tomorrow but no it's actually not been too bad <laughs> fair enough yeah it's it's just meant i've not been able to do the things that i wanted to do so i've been pretty much inside a bit like lockdown really like proper lockdown but uh, mm. but there you go but we're not here to talk about lockdown or rain. We are here to talk about Disney parks and things outside of Disney parks. So before we get going, I do, of course, ask everybody around the room what they are drinking. So, Mr. D, I'll come to you first. What are you drinking? I'm double-handed. So um, I'm in honour of P-Dabs using here tonight, I've got a rich tea biscuit-flavoured tea. Yes. But then in a minute, I'm going to pop open my tonic for my gin and tonic as well. I'm having the tea first. Here's something for you. Um, I was in a supermarket today before recording and I saw uh, a traditional chocolate you have at Christmas after eight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you might do. I mean, it depends how much you like mint, but um, you know. Uh, dinner parties for me. Well, exactly. Or if you want to play that game where you Usually whack you one on your head and let it slide down your face. You ever done that? That's what you know. Usually, yeah. You're at a high class <laughs> dinner party. Yeah. If that, if that game comes out, yeah. That's a lot of fun. Um, but I noticed that as well as the normal uh, mint flavour after eights, the old tradition, of course, they also, for Christmas, have released um, gin and tonic flavour. Oh. So I don't know if that's gin that's tonic and mint or, or what it is, but uh, mm-hmm. of course I, I immediately thought of you. Yes, definitely. I'll have to try those. Where did you uh, find them, did you say? Uh, that, that Just was, establishment? That, that, that establishment was um, the formerly owned by Walmart chain uh, Asda. Oh, right. Okay. Of course, other, as, uh, other brands and supermarkets are available. And now not all of them are, open, are, are owned by American conglomerates. But there you go. Um, yeah. did, you, did anyone see that? The other day, yeah. as they got sold yeah. off, yeah, yeah. The Brexit Brigade were, were about to celebrate, and then quickly saw who bought them and and retreated again. I saw, mm. what I saw on Twitter. Well, yeah, that's what happens, isn't it? Um, it got sold to um, two Muslim brothers, if I remember right. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, who uh, own a load of petrol carriages and made their money that way. Fair play. Which I'm sure will do a fantastic job with that stuff. Well, if you can run a petrol station, you can run a supermarket, right? I mean, it's a, bit, yeah, it's a ready-made business pretty much, isn't it? I mean, the only problem is um, with this model is if they 
if they start at practicing what they preach in terms of prices in the supermarket with what they do in the petrol stations, we're going to be in trouble. Because like a loaf of bread is like a fiver in a petrol station, isn't it? Yeah. Or your, or your, or your rich tea biscuits will fluctuate in price depending on the day. Exactly. Yeah, yeah no one wants that. But actually going back to your team yesterday, I had a conversation mm-hmm. with uh, my wife the other day about um, said biscuit flavour uh, tea bags. Um, yeah. And she was appalled at them. Was she? Yeah, and I said, well, well I, I, apparently they're nice. Well, I, I have some sympathy for that because I've got to be honest, you know, when I first heard about them, I scoffed. I thought, oh, no way, come on. But then I was kind of cajoled because it was Heather, the youngest daughter, who, who got them. And I was kind of cajoled into, into trying them. And I was I was surprisingly converted, really. So... Um, maybe you can encourage Lindsay to give it a try. She might, uh, well, uh, she might change her opinion. Yeah, unfortunately, that ship has sailed because has um, what happened was one of her clients always offered her one of these biscuit teas and she was mm-hmm. not having it. And then one day, she accidentally got given one by a mistake. Right. She did not take kindly to it. So uh, uh, okay. I'll give it a go, though. I'll, if, yeah. if someone offers me a biscuit tea, I will have one. Um, if any of our listeners want to send me a tea bag in the post, I'm sure there's nothing dodgy about that. Uh, you know, <laughs> feel obliged. Um, Ryan, what are you drinking? I've got a uh, Starbucks Skinny Latte, no added sugar, lactose free cold drink. Are you buying this in bulk from like Costco or something? <laughs> well, we we go we we go food shopping once a week, and I tend to buy like three of them, and one I save for whenever I'm podcasting. Oh, so, that's sweet! Oh, I couldn't keep my PSL on, you know, warm for this amount of time. Mm. Starbucks has been shut a while now. Yes, yes. So, yeah. I mean, I only for the, yet. yeah, only for the day though. It'll be back open tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll be there. Don't worry, I've not missed a single day yet. <laughs> but, Rain or shine, I'm there. You're so keen. It's it's amazing, isn't it? Um, Sinead, what are you drinking? I have got the my very first try of a different blend of Jemison. It's called Blender's Dog. Picked up a bottle of it yesterday, and I'm very Blender's intrigued to try it. Blender's Dog. Mm. So what's uh, what's fancy about this then? Basically, oh, it's very nice. Um, the like head blenders. Sorry, I hadn't tried it yet. Um, the head blenders and Jemison were each kind of given license to make their own kind of different blends. So there's, I think, three different ones. Can't remember the other names. Clearly went for the one that had dog in the title. Um, but yeah, it's very, very nice. Mm-hmm. I've not seen that over here yet. I'm not. I'm not a big. Um, not really a big whiskey fan. So um, it, it would be my go-to. But I'll, I'll get there eventually. You know these things sometimes you just have to get the taste for them right so and also i suppose as well the other thing if you've had bad whiskies or or any kind of alcohol if you had a bad version of it then it will um kind of turn your nose up at other varieties right yeah a little bit yeah i mean you wouldn't have that problem in ireland but you know england we we have lots of that um does anyone want to guess what i'm drinking cherry cherry pepsi max oh no. No, what was that other one you had by the week? It was a weird one. It was it wasn't cherry. Was it raspberry? One of those oh, seltzer raspberry. things. No, that's what I don't touch that. It's what P dubs drinks, no. Um, um oh yeah, hard seltzer. It's not a hard seltzer, no, it is. 
rum's closest is just regular Pepsi Max because they're at Cherry. So oh. I, I just really had a hankering for one. And uh, it's mm. a Cherry site. So I, I'm just going to imagine there's cherries in this drink. So cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Ah, right. So now we've got that out of the way. Um, shall we have a look at what's been going on in the parks? Yeah. Let's get down to business to start planning that Disney trip. I'm Wendy Prater at Magical Journeys Travel here, proud sponsor of the Disney Parks and Beyond podcast. I specialize in all things Disney, Universal, and all major cruise lines. Disney cruises are spectacular, but you've got to book early to get the best pricing and stateroom selection. I offer generous onboard credits and take care of all your planning. Interested in Disney World, Disneyland, or Disneyland Paris? I can help with every bit of the planning process, including dining and fast passes. Find me on the Twitters at WP Magic Journeys or email me at Wendy Prater at MagicalJourneysTravel.com. I make the plans, you make the memories. Um, hmm, where, where do you start with this, really? Um, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of lay it out on the table. And then I'll let you you guys kind of wade in. So um, almost this time last week, actually, we decided to have a week off. And then this, this news came out that uh, 28,000 employees of the, the Walt Disney Company were being made redundant um, due to the effects of COVID-19 and uh, those effects on the economy. Is that, is that pretty much it in a nutshell? Yeah, yeah. At least, at least I read some things. That's good. Um, huge amount of people. Um, you know, we know that we are living in very strange times. It still feels like a huge amount of people, though, to me. Um, so I, I thought it would, of course, be the the obvious um, thing to to kick off the kick off the show about, really. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty shocking, isn't it? I think the uh... I mean, in a way, it's not it's not that surprising. You know, Disneyland still isn't open. Walt Disney World is operating in, in reduced capacity. I think we, I'm, I may be remembering this wrong, but I think Disneyland hires around 32,000 and Disney World is around 77,000. Um, hopefully, I'm not way off on that. But when you, when you think Disneyland still isn't open, I suppose you have to think, and I'm putting my... And I hate doing this, but I'm putting my business hat on for a second before I lay into Disney. Um, you have to reach a point where you, you can't keep people on furlough forever. And the, I, I'm, I'm assuming this decision hasn't been taken lightly. That being said, when you restore all of your executives to full wage and bonuses um, the previous month and then announce that you're getting rid of 28,000 people, some of which have been at the company for you know, 20, 30 years plus. It doesn't quite sit right with me. And I appreciate layoffs do need to happen, but I, I do think um, for the sake of a few more months, especially over, after Christmas, let's see what spring brings for the, for the virus, I'm sure they could have kept things going. I mean, from what from what I've seen about this, and again, correct me where I'm, I'm wrong, but we're not just talking about frontline cast members, are we? We are talking throughout the, the, the theme park side of the business, but throughout that. So 
as well as cast members, we're also talking about people like Imagineers. 400 Imagineers are gone, yeah. Which means, and that's the other thing, when you take away, you know, 28,000, it just sounds like a figure, and it's 28,000 lives that are being impacted by this. But when you, when you look at the theme parks, you know, when you consider beyond 2021 and 2022, I think especially for Disney World, with things already underway at Magic Kingdom and Epcot, with 400 Imagineers going, are there going to be any? Is there going to be anything new coming to these parks after 2022? I don't know. Yeah, it's, um, I don't think so. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not very positive, is it, um, Mr. D? What's your take on this? Yeah, it's. I mean, you got to feel sorry for the cast members and their families because it's you know it's 28,000 people, but it's it's 28,000 families really that get impacted. Mm. Um, and it's just, it's enormous, isn't it? And it just makes you realise, especially, I mean, there's, there's a few sort of things that have been kind of picked up. So Yeehaw Bob, for example, a lot of people know who Yeehaw Bob is. You know, he played um, at the uh, Riverside Resort, Port Orleans Riverside Resort. I think it was the Red Rooster Lounge. And we saw him there a couple of times. And, you know, the guy was just unique, Um you know, fantastic entertainer, and and he's gone. You know, the previously some of the live entertainment in Epcot was wasn't was he, let go. Wasn't he um, accused of um, unprofessional conduct? Shall we say? I, I thought there were some allegations about him. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not aware of that. Um, I think he was just getting caught up in the um, in the. You know the um, layoffs that are happening um, across the across the site. Really, I mean, he was there for twenty three years, um, so he's a long long term guy and a bit of a, a kind of local celebrity, really. But um, I think the thing is, you know, it makes you realise that the experience that we've had in the last whatever five ten years. You know that that experience isn't going to be there for quite some time. You know, it's not to say it won't come back. It, it, I'm sure it will come back, but it's not going to come back quick. And you know, whether you know when Disney gets back up to full capacity again, and it will bring on cast members. Hopefully, some of the original cast members will be willing to come back or able to come back. We'll bring in new cast members, but you're just losing so much experience and a lot of people who were there when maybe you know disney was maybe a little bit more focused on the guest experience it, it, they seem to have lost a little bit of that now so is that going to be further diluted when they bring in new people as they return back to full strength and then yeah there's other live acts hopefully they'll go and they'll find other live acts like yeehaw bob and the server and Muzon that they let go in Epcot and, and some of the others, you know. But I but, think what's interesting... Um, Sorry, Mr. D. No, go ahead. go ahead. I was going to say what's interesting about all of this is, is I think especially with the entertainers is that it, it feels like it was going to be happening slowly over time anyway. Like they started to get rid of the Epcot performers mm-hmm. quite a while ago now. And yeah. the, the big loss as well as the, the orchestra at the Grand Feridium, which have which yeah. now gone or in the process of going and and you think 
the Grand Floridian is, is obviously not a cheap hotel. You know, I, I've not, I will confess to not staying there, but I've been, been inside it. I've kind of explored the hotel and it's those kind of experiences that stand the Grand Floridian out above the competition, not just in Disney or and Universal, but in the Orlando area in terms of, you know, other hotels and, and villas and things like that. And I think when you lose these unique experiences, you know, what does the Grand Floridian become other than an, what, let's be honest, is an average hotel that is located in a great spot? Yeah, I think with, with all of those kind of things, it's the experience, isn't it? Um, you know, when we say that Pop Century and Mr. D, you'll notice I'm staying at um, Value Results as well. You know, your rooms are pretty basic, but it's the fun of, especially in, in those results, you know, of the novelty, the big novelty items in the grounds. Yeah. And, mm. you know, th- those kind of things. If you was paying top dollar for that, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, that wouldn't be enough because the actual, ex- the hotel experience itself is quite poor. Um, you know, it's no different than staying at a motel on iDrive, for example, especially the Pop Century rooms. Like they are very, very basic. Um, so it's, it's what other added value you get at the hotel and whether that's, you know, a live pianist or, a little orchestra or a singer or, um, you know, a fountain show, whatever it may be. Uh, but it's, it's the, it's those added experiences that kind of then offset the cost, uh, in some way. So once, as you say, right, once you kind of strip all of that stuff away, what are you left with? And let's be honest, these prices, you know, let, you know, let's assume, you know, best case scenario, we can all travel relatively safely to Walt Disney world next summer. That's that's just our ideal um, scenario in place. Well, ideally, it would be winter, but that's not going to happen. Um, are these experiences going to be returned? Probably not by then. And yeah. are the hotels and is Disney World going to be cheaper to travel to? Absolutely not. So with no dining plan, and I'm talking from a UK perspective, with no dining plan, with no live entertainment in the likes of Epcot or hotels, what... What are you What are you paying for to, to stay at Disney versus other hotels in the Orlando area? Especially, you know, extra magic hours are kind of on and off at the minute. I think they might be gone entirely at the minute. Um, so, what are you paying for? It's uh, It's an interesting point actually because I seem to remember anyone that I knew that went to Disney World um, in, in the nineties or the or the early two thousands. Nearly everyone that I knew which is probably less people than I do now, but that's just because of doing stuff like this. But everyone I talked to, no one ever stayed on property. Mm. Everyone either stayed in the villa or they stayed on iDrive. That that was the, the two things because it was so much cheaper to do. And then at some point, um, I don't know if it was because you know, just the pounds of dollar exchange or uh, because Disney kind of wised up to what they could offer the, the UK guests. But you did see a, a switch from people staying on iDrive to um, staying more often on property because there were those kind of advantages and the dining plan and the extra magic hours, like you said, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think what we might see going forward is a return to that model because if you don't have free dining, if you don't have free parking, um, if you don't have extra magic hours and your holiday, on property versus off property is five or six thousand pounds different. What are you going to do? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a, it's almost a no-brainer, isn't it? I was, I was talking to um, Donna, I think, over the weekend, and we were saying, well, what Disney hotel would we take Piper to? Because like, we're planning on going maybe next October, November time. And obviously, she's going to be 18 months-ish by that point. She'll start recognising characters and things. And we're like, well, it's either going to be one of the all-stars of Pop Century, because they're super kid-friendly and more Disney than the others, or it's going to be Animal Kingdom Lodge because of the animals. And outside of that, for a, for a family, like a, in, there's not really like a, a, for a young family, none of the Disney hotels really tick the boxes, mm. which is quite interesting. Like cause I, I, previously, I'd be like, right, let's go and stay at Coronado Springs or Caribbean Beach because it's nice and quiet and relaxing. But when I actually start thinking about, obviously, it's going to become much more of a family-focused holiday for us. Yeah, there's not actually a great deal of choice on Disney property. No, they've I mean, all got kids clubs. They've all got you know whatever. There's no real difference there. But we're not going to be taking advantage of that because we'll be in the park. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's and also like you say, if you're, if you're then talking about um, you know a, a big family vacation again, like you were when you were you know kids or or, or something, you're talking about you know grandparents and, and that coming along. Yeah. there comes to a point where you go, well, look for us to have three hotel rooms or four hotel rooms on property is going to cost us 20 grand or we could get a villa on i drive and it'll cost us two grand well this is it you know and these are the conversations that i'm having with my parents at the moment who love disney got me into disney and you know they're saying well we could get a villa it costs hundreds not thousands and easily afford to be able to Eat in, you know, not every restaurant that we would have done previously on the dining plan, but we would have been able to go to, you know, the Celia once or the Boathouse or whatever. And then, and still save probably nearly 10 grand. And I mean, the thing is as well, there's so many good places to eat in that local Orlando area. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, I mean, it's no good for me now and it's no good for Sinead, um, but there's a restaurant on iDrive, uh, hopefully, if it's still there. Um, it's called Texas to Brazil, which is one of these um, Brazilian all-you-can-eat uh, meat buffets, I suppose. You know where they come to, to your table and they actually slice meat in front of you and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it, it was amazing. Like, it wasn't cheap. It was uh, about 50 or $60 a head. And, you know, you got access to a buffet and then, you know, you could have whatever uh, meat you wanted to bring it around to you. Um, but the actual quality of food was really, really high. You know, it was good quality food you were eating um, and you were paying a premium for it. Um, but, you know, there's, there's other apparently really good steakhouses out on, on iDrive and different things to experience. And when you're in the Disney bubble, which is obviously what they want you to be and have the dining plan, you are going to just eat all you can on property. But there's actually a lot of variety of good choices and probably better restaurants outside of the bubble. Yeah, um, no, completely. And, and, and I they've think, got to keep you there. And if they're not keeping you there, then, you know. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, look at Universal as well. And when I, when, you know, I was supposed to be staying in the summer this month, uh, where are we now? Last month. Um, it was infinitely cheaper than even Disney's cheapest hotel, but also infinitely better. Obviously, it was newer, but the rooms are nicer than anything in Pop Century, All Stars. And you have to consider, well, why would I not stay at Universal or, you know, as we said, the villa or another hotel outside of either resort when I can get a better experience? And you know what? I don't drive. Donna doesn't drive. 
Um, but Ubers really aren't that difficult to, to get around Orlando in. And oh, it's not that yeah, expensive they, either. They, they, they aren't. I'm, I'm still biased towards on-site because for me, one of the big things is, is just, it, it's a different feel when you stay on-site, right? For, it, this is just my personal opinion, but because you can, you've got more options around transport and you, you're right, Brian, you know, Ubers are a, are a thing now that f- even five years ago, you know, wasn't, wasn't an option. Um, but then you've got all the different forms of Disney transport. And what it makes is it makes, it makes the whole of Walt Disney World one resort. It isn't four theme parks that you, that you hit on a day trip from your villa, which is, you know, 45 minutes away. And then you've got to get everybody back to the bill at night. It, it literally, it gives you the option to go to a water park in the morning, go back to the room, have a shower, go to Disney Springs in the afternoon, do a bit of shopping, get a meal, and then hop to a park and see illuminations at night. Could you do that from offsite? You could, but not for a two or three week holiday. You, you'd probably tend to make the trip, hit the park hard, and then and then leave and and so it's a it's a different kind of feel and I I know it is more expensive, but you don't need to stay at the deluxes. You know the 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 values are pretty good, and you get all those benefits like the Disney transportation, extra magic hours, etc. And the moderates are pretty good as well. And you know with the moderates you you, you get some kind of dining plan normally. Um, so it's it, it's horses for courses. It, it depends. I think what we would do next time is more of a two centre. I I was really impressed by Cabana Bay. That was the first time last year we'd stayed in a Universal. So I think we would spend like four or five nights in a Universal resort and then go to Disney. Um, I think that's what we would do in the future. You know, I would I would as much as I you know I've been talking about all the the benefits and savings of staying off-site. I, in, in all honesty, my preference would still be to stay at Walt Disney World if, I, if, if the money is right and we can afford it. Because for me, there is nothing more relaxing than just slumping onto a Disney bus at the end of the day, knowing that they're going to just basically just take me to my hotel room. I don't have to worry about this random Uber yeah. driver that I don't know um, that's driving my anxiety high because anyone in America could be loaded at any point. Um, and it's just, it is that for me, like just, you feel safe. You don't have to worry about extra costs and all that kind of thing. And the transportation system there is fantastic. So I, I think, I, I do largely agree with you completely. And yeah. would definitely, like next year, my ideal scenario would be a couple of weeks at, at Animal Kingdom Lodge or Oakey West. Um, I think you're giving Disney Transportation far too much credit. I've waited half an hour for a bus before. And yeah, if, you, if you if you leave if you leave at the wrong time, ah, but the app now tells yeah. you when the buses are arriving. It's fantastic. All right, but yeah. I didn't have an app. There wasn't an app then. <laughs> right. I'm, no. The point I'm making is that you know sometimes right. it can be about as convenient getting a bus there as he's getting a bus at the at the end of the night at Disneyland Paris. I.e., yeah. not ideal at all. It's true. You can you can hit it you can hit it badly, and then and then there's some buses that are two stoppers. So. You know, like if you go, it used to be a dedicated bus for each of the water parks. It's not now. They double it up with, um, I think it's Blizzard Beach and Animal Kingdom. And 
Typhoon Lagoon, I can't remember. Uh, Dizzy Springs, Lagoon. I think it is. Dizzy Springs, yeah. yeah. Um, but, again, you know, if, if you've got a car, you know, that's when we would, we would tend, to, we'd tend to drive to the water parts for that reason, just so we can, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's an easier journey. So we kind of mix it up. Sometimes we'd use the car, sometimes we wouldn't. In the future, with the, with the cost of parking being added on top, $20-odd a night, would we take a car? Well, what we've said is we'd, we'd probably get a car for a piece of the holiday, and you can actually pick a car up on site and drop it back on site. Mm. So we'd probably pick a car up maybe for, I don't know, a week. And in that week, we would do the things that are outside of Walt Disney World. So if we were going to take a, a trip to the beach or go to Bush Gardens or, you know, whatever, we'd, we'd kind of plan the holiday around that. Um, and then the rest of the time use Disney Transport. But that's, I mean, I guess the point, if there's anybody listening that is that is thinking about a holiday at Walt Disney World, you know, it is a holiday that is worth doing the research, you know, listen to the podcasts, read, go on the websites, read the books, you know, there's, there's various really good um, books because there are some, some pretty big decisions to make. And for me, the two big, what I've always told people is the two biggest decisions you're going to make is when are you going to go? What time of year? Because that has a huge effect on your experience. And then the second decision is where are you going to stay? Is it on-site, off-site? And, and and everything else kind of comes from there then. But um, hey, it's definitely something that definitely something that constantly changes over the years that, that we've been going, you know. At the beginning when we started going, there was no free dining, then free dining came along and now you've got parking and you've got the skyliner and it's it's something you've got to keep reassessing depending on how much you want to spend, how much you can afford, who's going, you know, what they like to do. Because another thing is if you've got a big group and you're on site, you've got the options of different people doing different things and you don't need multiple cars. So if somebody wants to go back to the room, they can jump on a Disney bus. If somebody wants to go to Disney Springs and somebody else wants to go to a water park, fine, you know, no problem. So that's it's the, very that's individual. The thing, yeah. That's, that's yeah. the big thing with us next year because my parents, obviously we're going to have a small kid, and my parents as well who... You know, they love they love being in the parks, but they'll probably get there for opening and, and finish, you know, two o'clock, yeah. three o'clock. And yeah. at that point they may well take um Piper back. But yeah. we would we would carry on and go hit to a different um hotel versus if we had a villa, we don't drive, we'd have to go back with them or catch an Uber back. And if we keep Piper, then it's a faff trying to fit her in the car. You know, it just becomes a bit of a nightmare, really. So you're absolutely right. I love yeah. the way you think you're going to just be able to dump your kid on, on the grandparents and they're going to be happy with that. Um, That's what they're there for, isn't it? They are 100%, yeah. honestly, they're 100% That's up they bring them. They're like, you can go to Halloween Horror Nights if you want. That's fine. Like, we just want to, we want to take her to Disney. I'm like, that's all fine, mum, but we're taking her to Magic Kingdom by ourselves on the first day. Well, look, this is, of course, if you still want to give Disney to the Walt Disney, give money to the Walt Disney Company after what they've just done. Um, before I go to Sinead, just I, I did a, a bit of Googling while we've been talking, and um, there were there were accusations against Yeehaw Bob um, around the start of the Me Too movement. Um, yeah. I, I don't think any action was taken, um, yeah. so it was just rumours. So I was I was writing what I said. There had yeah. been some rumblings, but it does look yeah. like the reason why he was still employed was because there was, uh, you know, no uh, evidence or truth to those rumours. Um, but Sinead, you've been very quiet. 
um, have for once. You know, well, you know, <laughs> I, I think you're just, you know, when you've got two juggernauts, you know, fighting against the same argument together, it's hard to, to get in. But um, let's Juggernaut. go back to the. I've lost a lot of weight, you know, I've lost three and a half stone this year. Oh, I Jesus. think I put that on. So yeah, I think I think I've had some of that as well. <laughs> um, but let's go back to the crux of this. You know, it's all good us talking about what the future might be like with with Disney and these cast member layoffs. But it, it's a it's a big number. You know, when you heard the news, what were your thoughts on this? Um, I think it's I think it's really disappointing. Um, because like Mister G said, like that's not just twenty eight thousand people. That's twenty eight thousand families that now don't have the income that they did have and I think the more kind of terrifying aspect of it is like I know you guys have the NHS we have our own kind of healthcare system over here and regardless of your income you will get taken care of medically the fact that now there's 28,000 people that are losing their healthcare in the middle of a global pandemic where it's very likely that some of them may need medical assistance it's that's a really terrifying thought because we're there's been numerous new like news stories and stuff over the past few years about cast members not getting paid enough and cast members sleeping in their cars and stuff like that so the fact that that's where some of these cast members were kind of starting from now losing that entirely and also losing all of their medical benefits that's that's a really scary thought in a country that you very much have to have healthcare to be able to get any form of kind of medical assistance so and I think like Ryan mentioned it it's only about a month ago that there was those news stories flying around that the CEOs and the Bobs and everybody else were going back up to their full pay. Like they're just, there has to come a point where stuff like that just can't be forgiven. Like there is no need for them to be on their six, seven figure salaries and going back up to even higher again, when they're then going to cut 28,000 people's only income that were already pretty close to the breadline by the sound of it. So uh. I I I can add stuff to that. I've been holding off, but uh, I feel I, I feel it's time for me to get a very old se- segment out of the uh, the store cupboard. Um, I don't have the jingle anymore. No, I want to get on top of my soapbox because. Oh my god! Do you know what's upset me the most about this this whole thing, other than what's your name say, which is the healthcare, which we discussed a little bit on discovered dlp the other day and i neither of us none of us on here are enough of an expert to really delve into that but we what we do know like Sinead said is that healthcare in america is really expensive and you need to have some kind of medical cover um because the the bills you get from hospitals are astronomical without that kind of support you are going to make yourself bankrupt people have killed themselves over um bills because they've been so high um it's it's a real issue but the thing that's upset me the most is i've seen more outrage on social media whether that's facebook whether that's twitter so more outrage that they would dare to take a ride based on a known racist story um, and turn it into the princess and the frog then they have about the livelihood of over 28,000 people. There's been more outrage about a stupid ride at this theme park than it is about people able to live and have food and have medical care. And I can't 
I can't understand how people can get in such a rage that Splash Mountain's not going to have Briar Rabbit anymore, but Fox, meh, right? That is more of a problem to you than people not being able to feel, uh, like afford their rent, their food, right? One of the things I've seen set up by some of the cast members that have, have now... In fact, it wasn't just set up for this. It was set up a few months ago. What some of the cast members have done is set up a food bank. This is one of the largest companies in the world. And cast members had to set up a food bank in order to make sure that their fellow colleagues and co-workers were able to get food. It's it's ridiculous. And it's something that I mentioned in in the chat earlier that like, it, it just further goes to show that, unfortunately, an awful lot of guests don't see cast members as actual human beings. They just see them as a vessel to either rant at if any minor inconvenience has happened to them or somebody that their sole purpose on this planet is to make their holiday better and they don't care what happens when they clock off their shift. They don't care the housing that they're living in or anything like that. They don't, they don't, they just, frank, quite frankly, just don't give a crap. So long as their day is being met and they're getting as much pixie dust as they feel they've paid enough money to receive. They don't care. We are so privileged to have all been there. I know people listen to this podcast and listen to other podcasts that we do and have never been able to go, never been able to afford to go, right? Because these are not, especially now, these aren't cheap holidays, you know, the, 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 the prices of going on a Disney World holiday over the last decade have increased year on year on year on year. And the experience arguably has been lessened over that time as well. But we love it and we save our money up and we're fortunate enough to be able to go. Now, people that I talk to that, you know, say to me, well, how the hell have you been able to afford a holiday like that? And it's like, well, you know, it, it took me a good few years of saving, but we managed to do it. I have not had... I've not been to Disney World for a proper holiday there in over a decade. We started a family and then it was too much on top of, you know, wanting to have your own house and everything. You've got to make sacrifices. But some people, even, you know, doing those things will never have the money to be able to put towards the trips that we kind of talk about. We are very privileged that we are able to do it. But you look at the company itself and you see what they're paying their top bosses. And you think, how are you allowing this to happen? When this situation first started, and we we talked about it at the time, like they announced they were, you know, um, not going to take a wage. And then when when did that get reintroduced? Was it July, August? August, I think, yeah. So and we and we talked about that when it when it came back on as well. And at that time, although like it was like, well, it's a bit cheeky or whatever. People were still on furlough. People were still getting something they were getting some support they were getting a healthcare covered but now they're not and everyone's favorite new guy josh tomorrow i mean i'm guessing he's not going to be a guest in this podcast so it doesn't matter what i say about him really but like he seems like a nice guy right and I, i'm i'm sure he's i'm sure he's lovely and when this announcement came through that they were letting all of these people go he apparently turned up and, and, you know, met up with, with cast members and said, you know, we can, you know, you can talk to me and, and all this, right? Lovely, right? It's nice that he, he bothers to care 
that much that he would he would do that like he doesn't need to physically do it but he decided that was the the moral thing to do but what did he do when he left there did he get any chauffeur driven car did he fly on a private jet he ain't taking an uber nowhere or if he does it'll be an uber xl but like he's not gonna go home and worry about it he would listen to people that would have turned around and said, look, now you're making me redundant. I don't know when I can next afford to feed my family or I'm not sure how many months I can cover my rent before I get evicted. Well, I've got a comment here, just relevant to that one, uh, Nick. So someone on Twitter, I'm not going to reveal the name, says, Josh tomorrow was at downtown Disney, obviously in California, all day apologising to cast members, letting us vent, cry and whatnot. He probably would let us punch him if we wanted. A lot of execs would stay home, but I have to credit Josh for facing the music. The guy looks absolutely defeated. I mean, as you said, yeah, it's, it's something that I'm sure a lot of execs wouldn't do. But for me, he is basically the Disney exec for the social media age. All he does is post pictures of himself smiling on Instagram and people think he's some kind of god just because he bothers to show up to work. That's his job as the person in charge of parks, to be in the parks and improve them. Right, so he did what he should do, right? And I'm not saying, you know, that makes him better than Bob Iger or Chapek. I mean, he's obviously obviously better than Chapek, but, you know, it doesn't mean he's better than any of these other people. He did what any, I would like to think any... Uh, rational same person would do in the same situation which is to you know reach out to those people but the difference is he's going back to his mansion he's going back to his lifestyle his lifestyle hasn't been disrupted right he's going back knowing that he doesn't have to worry about if he gets sick doesn't have to worry about you know going to the supermarket and getting food doesn't need to worry about any of you know being evicted from his house right he doesn't have those concerns or cares because they've got the money they've all got the money all the people at the top have got the money i'm not saying this is just a disney thing of course it's not this is the same problem we have in this country in every country around the world we have the rich we have the poor but the simple fact is they are in a position where if they really wanted to do something they could have done they could have turned around and said right we stopped getting paid in march we started taking our salary again in August. The choices are we either take a further few months where we don't get our salary or we lose some stock options or whatever and we're able to cover those people. Because, I mean, I, I really, I would be really interested to know what that budget is for 28,000 people. And I think... And I mean, I'm going to be captain cynicism here, but I feel like I'm in good, in good company. Um, they, what they've said in the announcement is that the plan is that as soon as they can hire some of these cast members back, they will. So they're kind of dangling this golden carrot in front of these cast members who will be too afraid to post anything online about how they're actually feeling about it. So it's still being projected out to the world for the most part, the sunshine and rainbows and pixie dust that Disney is amazing. However, the likelihood is a lot of these particularly long-standing cast members are absolutely not going to get put back on the same pay that they were on or the same benefits that they were on. 
And unfortunately, the reality is that a lot of those roles that would have been for long-standing permanent cast members, chances are a lot of those roles may end up going to the likes of the college program and stuff like that. I'm not trying to slate the college program. I think it is a fantastic thing that Disney does. However, the reason why people value those long-standing cast members and are devastated seeing certain cast members getting let go and more high-profile people is that they have that history in the parks. They have that context. They have that years of experience of doing what it is that they do that makes them the best at what they do. So if you are then completely taking that away or if they're then being brought back but for a fraction of the money that they were on, that's not going to be the same experience because I don't think anybody would get let go from a job during a global pandemic, get brought back on less money and still perform to the same degree. I don't think anybody would. No, I think the other thing is here is that so they reckon at least a quarter of the 28,000 at least is going to be for Walt Disney World. Um, on top of Walt Disney World, you've got, um, let me see here, was the figure? 3,600 jobs at Hilton that are being, this is in Orlando, that are being lost. Universal Orlando, 2,300 jobs. Um, 1,900 at Rosen Resorts, 1,900 at Marriott, 1,900 at SeaWorld. 1,300 at Gaylord Palms, 1,000 at Hyatt, and 1,200 airline workers. So that's over 30,000 people in Florida, Orlando, more, more than anything else, that now currently are about to not have a job at the very least. So when things do return to normal, Disney's got the pick of anyone. And they can, do, they can create whatever employment rules they want because people will be desperate for employment. And the thing is, I know, I'm not going to name them, but there's someone that I know will be listening to this who's lost their job. Not from Disney, um, but in the, in the same industry as that because of what's been going on. And I just, I, I, I understand the situation we're in, of course I am. But if I work for a company who, number one, didn't pay me that well anyway because part of the reason why you take a job at Disney is because you want to say you've worked at Disney, right? So they're not paying those people particularly well. And we know that because of the amount of people that were living in cars and and still using food stamps and stuff. But if your company has treated you in that way, are you really itching to go back? Or are you saying, you know what, sod it, if that's how they're going to treat me, I'm going to go and work anywhere else. Because there will be jobs. There will, of course, there'll, there'll be jobs when you know we're already starting to see some industries starting to pick up and and whatnot. I'll talk a bit later about some others that aren't, um, but there are industries where things are picking back up. Um, but at what point do you go? I, I'm not going to go back to this. I mean, what you said there, Ryan, about the and Sinead, about the the positions and the rights and your benefits and, and all of that. Yes. That's now all up for negotiation because you can kind well, of, the airlines have done it, haven't they? Yeah. And I mean, a lot of companies will do that kind of thing. I mean, I remember when I worked in the supermarket, it wasn't as, it was another one and they tried to change uh, my terms, all our terms during um, our employment because they just decided to. And at the end of the day, if you're in a union or whatever, they will push so far to to try and maintain it and um because of when i it, it turned at the end you know they had to let this thing go but because of when i saw my contract i was able to 
um, remain under my terms until I changed position or I left. Um, but you know, these things, these things happen, but I just don't think if you, if you don't feel valued, if you've made to feel like you are a number and you don't matter, and I've seen nothing, you know, to suggest that anyone feels any differently about this, then when they come knocking on my door and, and say, okay, we've got some positions again. Now we want you to come back. I'd tell them where to go. Well, if you want work, where, where's you know because that's the only job you can get there's no there's no magic in what you're doing there's no there's no there's no care and love for the work that the, the job that you have compared to where, where where it was before i mean i don't know many people you know when they leave disney they, they talk about it do not 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 talk about it nicely but it's not the magical thing that they expected it to be because going to the magic and being involved in the magic are two very different things right it's like when you talk to someone in the uk about oh um i'm gonna retire to orlando or i'm gonna move to orlando because you know i've fallen in love with it and, and i want to go well firstly you can't do that anyway it's not that simple but secondly going there for three weeks at a time and living out there 52 weeks of a year are two completely different experiences yeah. And like, even like, I can only, I suppose, kind of pull from my own experience, but like I worked for Disney for three and a half years and you think, oh my God, working in the Disney store, it's going to be amazing. This is going to be the most wonderful thing. I can hands down say that that is the most difficult job I will have ever had in my entire life. And yes, you go in day one and you get shown around and you do traditions and it's all wonderful. And then you realize it is a dog rough, really difficult retail job. And, and, and retail work in general is is pretty much like that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, but it does it does definitely kind of disenfranchise you from a lot of things. Like, there's a lot of Disney things that I really just can't abide now, just purely from working in the store because you just get abuse hurled at you. Like, I have my major issues with the first Frozen movie, but that's because I was one of those frontline cast members that was getting screamed at every single day because I didn't have an Elsa dress in a five to six. So it kind of goes back to what I was saying, like they're not getting valued by guests a lot of the time and they're not getting valued by their management and their leaders and stuff like that. So if they're then being let go and brought back on less wage, like why would they? But unfortunately for a lot of people, there might not be a different option. Yeah. I was outraged actually. My local Disney store didn't have a size 14. Yeah. It's very annoying. Yeah. You look good in it. I know. (laughs) That's the thing. Cheekbones. Got the cheekbones to pull it off. Um, but look, what, what, I, what I just want to say to anybody that is more outraged about Splash Mountain than they are about 28,000 people losing their jobs, give your head a wobble. Because that is, that is life. A ride is something you enjoy. And, you, you know, I'm not saying you can't be upset because it was your favorite ride and now it's going to be turned into something else, right? That's your prerogative. To me, it's just a ride, so I don't have that. But you cannot compare the making a change to an attraction to letting 28,000 people go. And if that is what you're more outraged about, then you've got a problem. I think, that for me, I, you know, I'm not going to stop going to Disney because of the experiences that I had, the experiences that I want to, to now show my daughter. But I'm very angry at the way that the company is treating its cast members at the minute and you know i've been watching the, the documentary on 
um, Disney's Animal Kingdom on Disney Plus. So two episodes in so far. I don't know if anyone else has seen that yet. Um, but just watching it the other day, thinking, are all these are all these people still working there now? Like, yeah. this woman, there was a, a lady this week who um, was pregnant, just given birth to her son. I'm thinking she's probably still on maternity. Have they just got got rid of her because it's you know it's easy. Yeah, and, it, and employment law is obviously different in in America than it is over here. So. Yeah. I mean, I've I've known of people um, filing in America whilst being pregnant, so I know that the rules are different. Um, but yeah, it, it it leaves a bad taste in my mouth, and I've not been back for that amount of time because it's just we've not been able to justify the cost of a holiday. And we have started in the last few years talking about trying to go out there and and how we would do it and what we would do and it's obviously different for me because you know my son has got this ability and we've got to consider all angles with him about how we we do things and what we do and you know is he going to be all right on a plane journey that long and all of these kind of things that we have to focus on as well but the way i feel right now and i only i only had a day experience in in disney world last year and that was my first one in 10 years and it was it was okay but to be honest i had much more enjoyment and better experiences in, in universal than i did at disney when you look at the, the the difference in the cost you know what a disney holiday would cost me compared to a universal one it's almost a no-brainer as much as there are things in disney they do extremely well and obviously the theming is is stupendous and everything like that when you start adding all these things together and then have this sour taste in your mouth because of what they're doing to their staff, I just find it very hard for me to go. That's what I want to do. That's where I want to go for three weeks. And the worst thing about all of this, well, one of the worst things about all of this for me is that all you see on Twitter from cast members is that they are, they are there front of the line on their days off in the parks, buying merchandise. Like they're spending the very little money that they are getting buying the next Disney product. Yeah. They're the most passionate fans going, and yet Disney's still throwing them under the bus at every given chance. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens on the aftermath of this. But, um, you know, if you're outraged, speak up, do something about it. There's only so much that we can do. You know, we don't work for Disney. Um, we, we, we can't make them change things. But if enough people are vocal, um, about this maybe they will think about what they're doing i mean i feel it's too late you know they've started making those goals um but if if disney turned around and said actually we realize that this is going to cost us more in the long run because look at the end of the day especially when it comes to imagineers right they are very kind of skilled people they are um, you know that they've they've understood the process and they know what they can and can't do and and how things work and what they you know what's expected of them. Any of those people could walk into another theme park, and they would understand. rip their arm off to get them in as well. What I don't understand about this is that have they learned nothing from the past? Like every time they get rid of Imagineers, the company goes into like one of the like dark times of the business. Like how have they not learned this? Yeah, or as you say, purely because now they're like, well, we're not going to build any new attractions for the next ten years because everything that we've green lit is going to be done, and and that's all we can do. Um, you know, that's the justification for it. But it is one day going to bite them in the ass. 
It really is. I mean, um, isn't that what happened with Beastly Kingdom? Isn't that why we got what we did at Islands of Adventure was because they load a load of those Imagineers off and they just took the work with them. Yep. You know, and that was a great place when it first opened. Oh, I, you know, I agree. When you know, going there in the in the early two thousands, it was it was a fantastic land. Before I think before Potter kind of took over. Um, now it looks a bit pants. But, but even but you know what? Take that. You know, all those people that are involved in in the creation of like the Wisdom World and Kong. You know, those attractions look amazing. Forget you know how you feel about the actual Rider Kong itself, but when you're walking up to that building. It looks incredible. Mm. Everything, the, the, the one thing that you could always like have a moan about at Universal was that everything looked cheap. It didn't look done very well, like it had just been thrown together. All the stuff that they've done, at, look, even Fast and Furious, right? The know how crap that is. Right. They've made a good use of the space. The people they've got working for them now are talented. Not everything works. The ride system for Fast and Furious is bloody awful, but like you said, you know, leading up to it, it's all good. They have got talented people. They didn't have talented people. Where did those talented people come from? Ex-Disney. So these people will eventually get new jobs. I hope all of them get new jobs. Some of them are probably close to retirement. Um, but you're not going to be able to replace that. Yeah, you can replace your cast members because there'll always be someone that wants to work at Disney. But they will be brand new. They'll be wet behind the ears. They won't have the experience. They won't have the the attitude um, that those cast members have now. Well, you, you don't want a park that operates like Thorpe Park, where everyone there is is temporary and, and doesn't really care about the long term um, of what they're doing because they're going to be leaving in a few months. Like you don't want a park that's run like that. I remember we went when we went to California Grill. The waitress we had had been there for 25 years mm. and, you know, talked to us about, um, you know, all the restaurants she's worked at and how much she loved working at Disney and being given these new opportunities and everything like that. And it was someone that was clearly passionate about what they were doing. And she was a waitress. But to her, this was everything. And I mean, look, she's your waitress in the California Grill. You're going to be making good tips, right? But that was somebody with years and years of experience. Are we now, like you said, Ryan, are we now going to have a generation where we get teenagers working in these parks, doing a lot of these jobs because they can't fill them with experience? And it just, it's a constant churn. When I and that's the thing, years. isn't it? Like you can train, you can absolutely train um, teenagers up, but the, 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 the concern is, that most of them will be maybe there in the college program, only there for a few months. Um, you'll have that churn and burn. I think that's the, the big, the big risk. And, and that's what Thought Park and, and to be fair, a lot of our, the parks over here suffer from. And that's why you get so many gets complaints. Well, a big part of it is because there's no need for them to, to bother about the long-term impact of, or the, you know, I'm making this guest experience bad or whatever, because they're, they're gone in a few months. Yeah. Hmm. No, you're right. So, well, it's certainly difficult times for a lot of people, um, and I think the the experiences that we've had in the parks for the last few years, it's it's going to be 
sometime before we get back to that, I think. Quite sometime, if ever. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. So, you know, if you want to do your change.org petition, do it about this. Don't don't worry about Splash Mountain, that's done. Um, make your voices heard that way. And um, let, let's see what comes. But was there any other part news that anyone wanted to talk about? <laughs> but that's what all seems Moving pretty on. trivial now. Yeah, well, I thought I thought at some point I'd better move it on. I just I just I just had to get my um, I can't say my two pennies worth, can I? That was probably about three pounds fifty. But yeah. I guess sticking with the um, the sort of pandemic impact, um, you know, there's, there's there's a number of things uh, that have changed recently. I think they've. They've just announced that um, T23 isn't going to happen next year. Mm. So that's that's delayed till September 2022 now. Now, what's that supposed so, to happen this year? Next year. It was well, next norm- year. It, it's, it's annual, isn't it? It normally happens sort of August, September was, time. No, it's every other year, isn't it? Is it every yeah, other year? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Right. So it's, it's definitely not going to happen next year. It's definitely pushed to 2022. Yeah, it, it was supposed to be next year. Yeah. Right. Which, I mean, this is the like stupidest thing, but it means that there won't be one in 2023. <laughs> oh, wow. Missing it on having a yeah. 23, 23. Oh, they, they must be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They can't. I mean, even Disney aren't dumb enough to, to miss that opportunity up, are they? I mean, too early to tell, but I mean, come on. Is, aren't they using the 22 one to start announcing plans for the. The hundredth, yeah, celebration, which I assume will consist of some limited edition um, food treats in the Magic Kingdom, and that's about it. Well, you ain't going to see a new attraction, are you? Let's be honest. No. <laughs> or <laughs> Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway coming to Disneyland Paris, and, and that'll be it. Oh come on! Do you think they're going to announce anything about Disneyland Paris at D twenty three? I think I think we I think we've had two announcements in all the years they've been doing it. Yeah. It's almost like they forget they have other theme parks. Hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, it, obviously D23 is good for that kind of thing and, and getting an idea of what you might decide to build and then cancel later on. Um, sorry, Poppins. Um, but yeah, I suppose it makes sense uh, to, to delay it till then because it's, it's definitely not going to happen before that, is it? Let's be honest. Um, was, there, was there any other news from inside the parks? Um, I guess the only, the, the only thing that I wanted to touch on was that the just I guess to end on the cast member stuff is the probably the best place if you if you do want to help them out is to just Google Second Harvest Food Bank. Um, so you can look at the Orange County one in California or Central Florida. Just just Google Second uh, Second Harvest Food Bank either Orange County or Central Florida, and if you can um, make a donation, then uh, definitely do that. There's also some spreadsheets going around. Um, where cast members, small businesses are being shared. So if you, if you, again, if you just Google um, cast member help, uh, you'll you'll find loads of stuff. If if you do want to help people out, yeah, that's that's really that's really good advice actually. Um, and look, you know what? In general, right, obviously we've had to talk about the cast members because that's very important. But to everybody listening, right? Lots of us have been very lucky. I've been completely employed throughout this pandemic. 
um, I think we all have, with the exception of Mr. D, who, you know, it's very, it's very good timing, isn't it, Mr. D, that you decide to stop work, and then the world yeah. ends. Overall, I think it was, I think it was just a bit of luck. But I don't want to, I don't want to suggest anything. But you know, the timing yeah. was quite interesting. Um, but yeah, we we've all been lucky to be employed during this time. Um, I know people that haven't, and I know people that have struggled. And and even though we have been, I've been able to work. My wife wasn't able to work for a good while. Um, it did put a huge strain on us. And um, you know, thankfully, I didn't need any additional help. But if you do need additional help, reach out. Um, you know, there are food banks, there are charities that will help you. Do not get bogged down in this stuff. There are people that will help. You're not alone in this world people will help i've tried to do more this year i've um donated things to food bank money mainly um but in a supermarket just pick up a few items most supermarkets now have trolleys at the end of the store you can buy stuff and drop it into the trolleys you leave anything helps and sometimes really small things make a huge difference to people's lives so if you can help help but if you need help get it don't don't let it weigh on your shoulders you know it can be a dark place sometimes but there is light all around you so don't let it get you down um right let's move on to cheery things now <laughs> let's look at what's going on outside the parks because it's so much brighter outside the park After Dark Podcast is sponsored by HHNUnofficial.com the home of Halloween Horror Nights news and rumors all year round. Find us on the web at www.hhnunofficial.com So stop the fog machines and clear the cobwebs. It's time for another episode of the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Sydney World. Yeah, let's well, that's really can cheery. I maybe just touch on something that is positive. Mm-hmm. Go on. Just Please. Um so they've confirmed, I mean, we kind of knew this anyway, but they've confirmed that um Rosario Dawson um is definitely in season two of the Mandalorian, obviously coming later this later this month. And um the other big news was that John Favreau um, has written six episodes of season two. One has been written by Dave Filoni and uh, one by Rick. I'm not going to try and pronounce his last name because I Moranis. It's Moranis. <laughs> no, he has been sucker punched though. Yeah, let's let's catch him and all. Not Rick Moranis, the guy who sucker punched him. Yeah, geez, that guy, that guy has got the whole world against him. So yeah, I just thought it was um, interesting. Obviously, John Favreau, Dave Filoni, um, the ultimate dream team of Star Wars, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to season two. I've just started rewatching season one. And I'm getting nervous. Yeah, you know what? I, I started watching season one yesterday, and the effects aren't quite as good as I remember when I'm watching. Because I remember watching the first season mostly on my phone using various different proxies and things. But watching it on the big screen in in my lounge the effects are a bit shoddy especially in the first episode you can really notice that they're filming on that one stage that's interesting you say that because i saw that episode at the cinema 
And mm. I actually thought it looked brilliant. <laughs> so, you know, you know what it is? You've got to turn the HDR on, on your Disney Plus. That's your problem. Well, you're yeah, watching on a it. far better screen than you're watching it. The quality of it. That's what you need to do. <laughs> you need to change that. That's uh, it's still fantastic. The second, I mean, I'm two episodes in, it's still absolutely fan, a, a fantastic show, and I I can't wait for season two. But yeah, as you said, I am nervous. You start throwing in characters from Star Wars Rebels and and Clone Wars, and it, it almost can get to a point where it's too big for itself, and you try and tell too big of a story in a season that only lasts eight episodes. I think I'm just worried because no one, and I mean none of us, saw The Mandalorian coming in, in terms of how good it was going to be. Mm. You know, we, um, and Mr. D, you probably remember this, you remember the Star Wars TV show that was being banded about in the, um, the mm. mid-2000s? That's right, yeah. And, you know, he kept hearing all these projects that were going to get off the ground and then didn't, and... You know, you was always going to wonder if we was ever going to see a TV series, and then they announce one, and you're like, "Oh, Disney Plus," and all this kind of stuff. And no one could have seen how good it was coming. And the the thing is, you know, sometimes you get. A re- I mean, I remember the Good Place. Has anyone here watched the Good Place? Not all of it, but yeah. Right now, I'm watching the Good Place. And that first season was amazing. Lost, the first season lost, brilliant. And then you're like, right, I can't wait for it to come back. And then it comes back and it's it's not quite as good and something's lacking or they're trying to drag something out and it doesn't feel the same. And then it goes on and it might get a bit worse. So it might improve a bit and then and then dip down again. It's, it's, it's very hard because that first season was so good. I'm just worried, are they going to hit the highs this time around? Yeah, for, for me, the danger of it all is, is what it means for Star Wars at Disney+, Plus because, you, you know, there's going to be some great shows, I'm sure. I'm sure the Obi-Wan show will be good, but you start going down these, these other routes where you're giving random characters that appeared in one movie, like a full season of some random story that no one really cares about, and I think, you know, it could work, they could work, but then equally they could really fall on their ass. And I think it's it's going to be interesting. It's an interesting time for Star Wars and what's going to happen over the next few years. Because really, until probably 2022, we've only got the Mandalorian to enjoy. And 2022, it will be probably Obi-Wan. Yeah, and I suppose the the, the other thing as well is that you know, The Force Awakens came out. We knew we was going to get, like, you know, three films. And that's obviously a, a massive hit. It becomes the biggest film uh, in the world for a few years. And then Disney, like, right, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have Rogue One. Mm. Um, and then we're going to do a spin-off about Han Solo. And then we're going to do a, a movie about Boba Fett. And, you know, they started announcing all these, um, you know, additional films to the series. And then, you know, Rogue One came out and it had its issues being made, but at the end of the day, the final cut worked and was really, you know, it was a really good film. And then you had the problems with Solo and that obviously didn't do so well. And then obviously that was kind of because The Last Jedi had underperformed a little bit. And, you know, they'd put all their eggs in this, in the, in the franchise, movie franchise basket. And now what we're seeing is The Mandalorian was a huge hit. So now we're going to do all these disney plus star wars shows and, and i think also you have to, probably coming on to a kind of segueing nicely into the next point but you have to consider 
that Disney Plus could be Disney's main source of revenue for the foreseeable future. And maybe that's all they need from Star Wars on Disney Plus is just to keep people subscribed. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. Um, but Mr. D, I know this is news that, um, well, I'm surprised you made it onto the show tonight, to be honest. Um, I, I knew how upset you was going to be about this. Um, but we did hear the news this week that um, the Cineworld chain in the UK um, from, I believe it's this Thursday, as we recalled this episode. Yeah, it's the end of the week, yeah. Yeah, is is shutting shop um, for the foreseeable future. This has apparently been spurred on because of um, the delay in the latest James Bond film, No Time to Die, which has led to suggestions that actually uh, Blofeld is actually in charge of Cineworld. I don't know if you've seen that. I don't know if that's true or not, but you know, obviously it does make sense. Um, but because that has now been delayed, it was supposed to come out in November. Now it's coming out in April. Um, they have made the decision that keeping the cinemas open is not viable. Um, they're not getting the numbers in. Was Bond really going to keep Cineworld open more than three, four weeks? You've got to. Yes, it would do. I'll tell you why. Because number one, Bond films are always huge in the UK. Always huge. Yeah, true. Always do good, good numbers. But the other thing, if there's no competition for it, people are going to go. I guess it just depends on how many people are going, isn't it? Because I mean, Tenet did not make its money back, did it? I know one person went to see Tenet and he said that there was about five of them in the cinema when they went. Mm. Um, it wasn't. A, I mean, I can't remember when. It might have been a Sunday they went or something. But it, it, it five people in a cinema for a film like that when all the other screens were showing old films. Yeah, that's got to be I mean, a bit I, of a worry. But I mean, Bond is a great example. Would be is a classic one that I would go and see with my dad always, um, but also probably go and see it with four or five of my mates. Would you know, um, make make kind of a night of it. Go, go and see Bond at early evening. Go to the pub afterwards or something. Um, but none, um, not just me, but none of my friends feel comfortable going to the cinema currently. Yeah. Yeah. I think the difficulty is that, like, whilst obviously they're kind of putting it down to the announcement from Bond, like, that, I think it was just kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Like, a yeah. couple of weeks ago, we had the announcement that Black Widow was getting moved from coming out early November and it's not getting released now until May 2021. And that would have been a colossal movie for the box office because Marvel movies always do massive money. Yeah. Wonder Woman as well. Yeah. That's right. That's, that is still scheduled to come out in December. It's definitely not. I, I, I'm surprised if, if that is going to, to happen. But the reason why this is, you know, not just news to talk about on here for, for us, but um, they also own the Regal chain in America, and they're doing the same thing there. Cool. So Regal will be closing um, their cinemas down as well. Yeah, so it's another, what, three and a half thousand people in the UK, I think. Um, jobs are gone. Mm. There's 127 cinemas in the UK yeah. that are Cineworld, and there's 536 Regal theatres in the US. Yeah, yeah. it's so another and big it, impact. It, well, I mean, this, I mean, we, <laughs> this, this makes Disney look like small change. Um, up to 45,000 people could be um, impacted by this. Jesus. Mm. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, so that's obviously, you know, between the two. And I'm not sure because Cineworld do also have 
um, cinemas across Europe as well under, uh, I think it's called Star or something. Um, it's another company yeah. they have. But, um, yeah. but then the other thing, you've you got you to gotta think the other cinema chains, you know, are going to be looking at it as well. Odeon have uh, today announced that they will, some of, some of their cinemas will only open at weekends. Yeah. Well, look at the local cinema. We've got a fantastic um, local cinema where um, we actually got married in the, the, the dome in, in Worthing. And that is, I mean, what, what are they going to be showing there? You know, they, yeah. they, yes, they're still making money from weddings and they, they, you know, not really, but they've got a cafe and things like that. But with no movies coming out, it's not just a big hit. It's going to be your local cinemas as well. Well, you're not, you're not going to, because I mean, some people have said this is the death of the cinema. Cinema will never die. But what we might see is the death of the multiplex, mm, which is really yeah. interesting because the introduction of the multiplex in the UK is what killed off a lot of, uh, you know, old fashioned cinema in the UK because then you had these big brand new buildings that could show all these films at once and your little two screen cinema down the road couldn't compete. So they just shut. Um, it happened in the town I live in now. They had a three-screen cinema, um, and in the early, in the late nineties, they announced plans to open up. I think it was an Empire Cinema at the time, on this new retail estate a couple of miles out of town, and they they closed because they knew they couldn't compete. Yeah, so, and there's definitely been there's definitely been a rise in the more kind of like, for lack of a better way, for artisan cinema chains, yeah. in, like especially in Dublin, and like. To be fair, they might show, I don't know, like a big Marvel movie or a big Star Wars movie if that gets released. But they're kind of, the main one kind of near me is called The Stella. And their main bread and butter is showing stuff from 80s, 90s, 70s. Like just showing older movies is kind of what they first and foremost kind of do. They might show a new movie, but it's rare. I have to say I'm in a very good, fortunate part of the country where you know Brighton, Worthing have some great local cinemas um, yeah. and the, the dome is a protected building. I mean, it's, the building is not going anywhere. So the cinemas unlikely to, um, but um, yeah, it's, it's going to be impacted by this for sure. Yeah. But no, like you, as you say, Brighton has got like the um, Comedia, mm. isn't it? And, and places like that. So they, they've got their own little Arsene and stuff as well. And, mm. and London, there's been a resurgence in London of, of that kind of thing as well. You've got like the electric cinema chain, um, and a few others where they give you a different experience. Like the cinema experience, and as much as I love the cinema experience, the cinema experience is very kind of boring and, and old-fashioned in a way. Now, when you're talking like about a multiplex, whilst you've got these new up-and-coming places which, you know, you can get artisan coffee and, you know, have a nice pint of a uh, locally brewed uh, microbrewery type deal, um, and decent food and and all this stuff and the the days of overpriced um, coke and you know stale popcorn are are kind of old hat. Well, let me tell you, yeah. when we went to see um, the, the latest Star Wars uh, at the midnight viewing at the Dome, I had a couple of espresso martinis before, then um, took a pint in a glass. They trust you with a glass into the cinema. They trust you with a glass? Oh, I know. <laughs> no, they trusted someone else. It's just Ryan took it off them once they walked through the doors. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but my ticket cost £6. On, on Mondays, yes. tickets cost £3. <laughs> it's like, the screen is, is pretty good. It's not an IMAX, obviously, but 
you know, you can't argue with those prices. Yeah. I mean, for me to go and see an IMAX film, now I've, I've let, I let my Cine part, Cineworld pass expire because I couldn't justify um, the cost. With, with the films that they were going to be showing, there was nothing that I wanted, to, they were re-releasing that I wanted to see. So over the years, I've been to Cineworld to see uh, Jaws, and I've been to see uh, The Shining. Did I go and see Die Hard? I can't remember. But they're showing films that I've, I'd wanted to see, which I may not have seen before on a big screen. This time around, it was Marvel films, which I've seen you know, at the cinema previously and countless times at home. The Harry Potter series. Um, there was, they released a new Cats and Dogs movie. Did anyone know that was still a thing? They brought yeah. that franchise back from the dead. Yeah, um, how anyone thought that was going to make some money, I don't know. Exactly. Who that off? Oh. Um, but the, the choice of films they had were awful. The only film that was coming out which I had any interest in was Tenant, And I, I kind of, because of my love relationship with, with Chris Nolan is so off kilter anyway, I, I couldn't be bothered to go. But if I wanted to go and see that in IMAX, um, you know, without my, my Cineworld pass, that was going to cost me about £16 just for the ticket. Then, you know, it's a two and a half hour film. I'm going to want to drink, you know, depending on when I go, I might need something to eat. I'm already looking at 20 quid before the film started. Yeah. Go. At a time when I'm not completely comfortable with what's going on. Um, so I just didn't, I just didn't see the point. And, and I mean, when Mulan came out and, you know, everyone kicks off about that, that cost me 20 quid to, to, to buy Mulan on Disney Plus. Now it's a rental technically, so I can watch it, you know, multiple times or whatever, but um, that will be a, available to everyone in December. But that was 20 quid to go and watch a brand new film the day it came out versus, and, and we watched that as a family versus, you know, 16 quid for the ticket plus food and drink for me to go and see that at Cineworld. If we'd have all gone and seen that in IMAX, well, the three of us, you know, that would be upwards of 60 quid. Yep. For the same thing. It, it, it's just not viable at the moment to do that. Um, and where I used to live, we had a cinema that did charge four pounds for tickets every day. And it had such an impact and all it was, it was an old Odeon that someone had bought and it had been disused for 10 years, over 10 years. They installed new projectors, repaired the seats, opened it up at four quid. The View Cinema in the same town, after a year, had to lower their prices from uh, 12 to 15 quid to a fiver to compete. This is the thing. These, these local cinemas are fantastic you know i will i will go to the dome any day of the week you know I'll, I'll go to an imax maybe for the the big like the infinity war end game um you know even even star wars i went to go and see it at the dome first because it's around the corner from me and it's i can get there and back at midnight very easily um they are fantastic and in in a way i think it's it's absolutely horrendous that all these these jobs are going but I, I hope that local cinemas come out of this on top again and i think that's what we will see I think we will see a rise in little one, two screen cinemas in towns. I would, I would really love to see that happen in my town. I even well, looked into it a while ago to see how hard it was yeah. to start one up. 
Well, the thing is, in, in the town I live in, which is only a kind of smallish town, it's a medium-sized town, I suppose, you know, just before this happened, so it was about a year ago, maybe just over a year ago, year and a half ago, they opened an Everyman two-screen two cinema. Mm-hmm. And it is a different experience, because we, we seriously looked at switching from Cineworld to Everyman. It's a little bit more expensive, but there's all sorts of deals. There's like three different three different membership deals, and depending on which one you pick, you get different perks. And it's Monday is cheap, and so you could we could kind of make it work, um, especially if you're willing to go during the week, like on a Monday or whatever. Um, but it's it's a different experience, like you said, Nick. You know, it's like nice food. You can eat in the cinema. You can have a drink in there. You can have a coffee. It's a very different experience, really. It's it's, it's definitely worth the money. But you know, I just hope they they can survive this to get to the point where you know movies are being released again, and that's that's the thing. The other thing, of course, that I'm, that that is happening, maybe not on a big scale, but. But drive-in movies are making a comeback because of this. Yeah. So Big time. You can sit in your own car and watch the movie. Now, again, there's some there's some definite limitations to drive-in movies in terms of the... Well, there is for me and Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just... It just is uh, it's the times we're living in, isn't it? They're, they're pretty radical in terms of certain businesses the cinema business being one of them or the whole movie and entertainment business, um, live shows being another, cruise, the cruise industry being another. I mean, these, these businesses are just being decimated, you know, by this. So, I mean, if you want to, if you want to hear the death knell, uh, mm-hmm. Boris Johnson came out tonight and said, we all need to go back to the cinema. Yeah. I mean, I mean, which is absolutely insane when they've already announced their closing. And I mean, Anything that Boris says, we just just take as just ignore basically. Pretty much do the opposite. Yeah. I mean, when was the last time do you think Boris Johnson went to a cinema? I mean, I, I don't even think cinemas in the UK show anything in Russian. So <laughs> that's where he gets his briefings. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Um, How does so, that make any sense? So we'll shut the pubs early, but go to the cinema. Yeah, exactly. It's bonkers. It's bonkers. Yeah. And also, we keep all of our data on spreadsheets that can't store data properly. <laughs> Clippy, uh, Clippy has not uh, not been helping the NHS uh, test and trace. Um, so I just I just had a look now to see what the latest was. Um, according to this, uh, Soul is still scheduled to be released in America on the twentieth of November. No chance. Replacing Raya and the Last Dragon. Do we think they'll do premiere access for it as well? They have denied they will be doing premiere access to it, but give it okay. give it another couple of weeks. Well, there's only so many movies you can release in 21. And also, realistically, 2021, things aren't... If things go, if things go well, you're talking spring. If things go well. Yeah. Well, funnily enough, like, when I... Uh, Lindsay woke me up this morning, and she went, oh, have you heard about Cineworld? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> the rumours are going about the last couple of days. And she said, oh, like, how, how do you feel? Are you upset? And I was like, well, not really. I said, because nothing coming out this year that I want to go and see. I mm. said, like, everything's been pushed back a year. And she went, well, what's happening to all the films that were due out in 2021? I said, well, they probably haven't started filming them yet. Because that's the problem, right? Is that, you know, 
as you said, Ryan, you know, you've got a limited window to release this stuff. You've only got so many times not throughout a year. All the studios fight for these particular dates and times. But nearly every film that was coming out this year has either moved their date by a year or has just rejigged it to come out next spring. Um, and, and, and that's that's what will happen. But all the films that would have been coming out next year, a lot of those, the productions would have been delayed on anyway. Yeah, I mean, so but it's it, not going to have a massive impact. But you've got a couple of Marvel movies that have been delayed until the back part of next year after Black Widow. And it's going to be, I think, almost so busy next year if things go well that they won't make as much money from these movies. Uh, you know what? If, if, the, uh, if the vaccine is out by then, um, then I'll be at the cinema more than ever just to catch up. Oh, with you, you know what? And I'll, I'll be with you on that completely. Um, but, you know, it's just such an unknown at the minute, isn't it? You know, there's, there was this, uh, an article today that said under, uh, under half of the UK population would be given the, the vaccine. And obviously they're going to prioritise people at risk, NHS staff, carers, that kind of thing. Podcasters, yeah. Podcasters. Well, I'm, I'm someone that's at risk, so I'm fine. But then, podcasting or? <laughs> I'm always at risk when I'm on this show. <laughs> <laughs> you think, well, actually, you know, if, that's, if that leaves you 50% of the population that's not had a vaccine, these, surely these social distancing rules in cinemas will continue for the foreseeable which massively impacts that revenue and the revenue that, that film could take. Yeah. 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 These films well, are going to be making the money now. But I, I can't believe many, many films that are, you know, planned on the, on the planning stages, you know, that the, the, the money men behind those films aren't going to commit that money to make those films. So, so you, you're going to have a, you're going to have a, a gap Mm. in film production and the, and the films that are sitting in the can so like soul for example or black widow or whatever they're sitting in the can you know those will be the first films released and then they're gonna have to go like hell to execute the films that got delayed so that they can keep the steady stream but i guess when you get to that point you know those problems are problems that you can solve you know you, you can you can do things to knock out films quicker um, or, or re-release films, but at least the cinemas are open and you're making some money. If you've got a mix of new releases and, and older films being re-released, that's kind of okay for a while until the new films start coming in. So it's almost like, well, let's get to that point where we've got that problem. Right now it's a completely different problem and it's mm. a much bigger problem. And it's such an unknown. I think that's the biggest thing as well. Like how can a movie studio possibly, like as you said, like if someone wants to shoot, I don't know, Flashpoint or whatever the next Flash movie, whatever the Flash movie is being called, like are they going to green like that? When like I mean, when's it going to come out? Because it's not 2021. It's probably not 2022. Like when no one knows when things are going to return to normal. So, are you going to sign off on like a four five hundred million million pound budget? I, I mean, I'd be mad to. You'd be mad to. I mean, it'd be different if there was like a, a streaming model that was profitable that would get you your money back. But no yeah, one like, wasn't successful. Yeah, like all of the. Um, all of the plan in Marvel and Star Wars shows and Disney Plus, they're no brainers because they will bring people to the service and make money. But yeah. yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough game, isn't it? Um, yep. What's interesting as well is, you know, I said that uh, at the moment, Soul is still scheduled to be released in November. And Sinead, I know this, this must have been something on your, your radar, but um, The Witches 
the the remake of the witches is um now going straight to hbo max in the u.s yeah which i mean it looks like it's going to be interesting <laughs> that's very kind of you to say i know Hold on. <laughs> I'm trying to be polite better. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's bound to happen. There's a lot of movies that I think should have come out. I think, what was it, The Craft? There's a second Craft movie that's meant to be coming out as well. And yes. I don't really know what's going to happen necessarily with that. But like you said, Ryan, I mean, there's only so much time people are going to have to go to the cinema. And there's also only so many screens and stuff that cinemas will be able to show these now 10,000 movies that have all been shoved to 2021. So like studios are going to have to start getting selective as to what absolutely has to go into the cinema and what they could maybe move to a streaming service or hopefully not delay even further. Well, Mr. Ripley, who's not here to defend himself, made an interesting point, which is um, he commented about the fact that if the cinema chains do start to go under um, or they get into the difficulty like they are now, could the studios go back in and bail them out? Now, for those not versed in um, cinema history, and why would you be? You're not sad. Um, you know, in the old days, that's exactly what happened. That The studios actually owned cinema chains. So they would guarantee their films would be able to get a, a wide release. Because, you know, Fox, for example, owned a chain of cinemas. So that means when they had a film coming out, it would definitely be shown on the screen. So could we see that happen? If things get that dire, will they change the rules to allow that to to happen again? Be interesting to see. Could be, yeah, I certainly wouldn't be surprised. I think the other big thing is whether or not with cinemas or, you know, things return to normal uh, in spring, we have to also realise that the world is about to enter the biggest recession it's ever, well, certainly in our lifetime, that, we've ever come across and there's going to be thousands, probably millions of people that will not be prioritizing going to the cinema. No, but look, let's, let's end with a story just quickly. Um, that I thought we should, we should mention talking about movies and, and films and everything like that. Is this story that I've seen pop up a few places today, including at inside the magic, um, about the fact that there are rumours that Ryan, uh, Ryan Reynolds is going to be the highest paid actor in the MCU. Yes, I did see that. Can't believe they're bringing Green Lantern to the MCU. I'm really, really pleased it's getting another shot. Desperate times for DC. Yeah, yeah, they're just loading some people out to Marvel now. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously, it, it's to do with Deadpool. Um, anyone I mean, got any thoughts about this? I don't think it's a good idea. Because if they, I, I get it, like, fair enough. If he's going to be in Deadpool 3, then fantastic. It makes sense. But if they start making him the Tony Stark of the next two or three phases, Deadpool's going to be toned down to a point where he may as well just be Spider-Man. Mm. And that's not, what, not, that's not what the Deadpool character is. And that, for me, is the risk if you start putting him in all these family-friendly movies. Yeah. Sinead, what what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I kind of agree what what Ryan said because, like, I think the reason why the Deadpool movies have done so well is that it was so vastly different to absolutely everything else that was going on in superhero movies because they all had a formula, they all had a certain kind of shtick that they went to, and everything like that. And Deadpool kind of came in and completely changed that. It wasn't family friendly. It wasn't minding your p's and q's and whatnot. 
um and i would i would be wary that i i don't know if disney could commit to to having deadpool be deadpool and be the deadpool that people have gotten used to and that people now know and love so i would be i would be weary that they might kind of whitewash him a little bit yeah mr d yeah, similarly. I mean, I loved, I loved the first Deadpool movie, and I even liked the second one. I know some people didn't like it quite so much, but yeah. I thought it was really good. But, but, but yeah, that is a different experience. It's not, <laughs> it's not uh, Captain Marvel for sure. So, um, got to make sure that that you, you're going to do something that that works there. So it's quite, a, it's quite a tricky, uh, quite a tricky balance to get. I think. Yeah, it's it's funny because I I liken Deadpool one to something like Kick Ass in that mm. it it took that genre that we were getting used to and flipped it, made it something different. And by the time it happened again, when both of those films had sequels, it didn't work the same way because it didn't feel fresh. It felt like a retread of what you'd already seen before, but not done quite as well. Like I really didn't like Deadpool two if you didn't if you didn't gather that already. Um, the only thing that fills me with any kind of hope is that, like we've seen with Spider-Man, is that if they are really committed to doing something special with a character, they can make it work. But the problem is is that Spider-Man is universally loved and, and has been beloved for decades and decades and decades. Yeah. And Deadpool really has only become popular since the first film came out he was always a bit of a side character for a lot of comic book fans and stuff and what made Deadpool unique and funny can get tiring and especially if you have to tone him down to be PG-13 friendly yeah exactly yeah because like Spider-Man Spider-Man kind of fits quite easily within that Disney kind of framework do you know what I mean Mm-hmm. Deadpool is so out of Disney's comfort zone that I would be really worried that they just won't have a bloody clue what to do with them. Yeah, yeah, we'll start seeing Deadpool movies released by Touchstone or something. The only way that I could see it working is if they kept Deadpool and X Force going off on like their own separate missions, and those were rated slightly higher than the mainstay uh, Disney films, and then maybe you'd have them come in for an Avengers film, and you could you could kind of get away with it because they wouldn't be in it that much and you know he'd, he'd take the piss out of a couple of people and it wouldn't have to be too crazy but i think any any time when you've got deadpool as a main character you, you cannot tone him down because it that's not who deadpool is no sure. i would like to say now you've said that i would like to say like what they did with the comic books which is have like um was it called marvel max was that what it was called like the more kind of adult version mm-hmm. of marvel and it'll be interesting to see what happens with Suicide Squad because I don't generally don't like DC films, but I do like James Gunn and Suicide Squad looks like a load of fun. It looks insane, doesn't it? Yeah. And um, that is obviously going to be a hard R film for the DC uh, universe again. And it'll be interesting if that does as well as they hope it will do, will that make Marvel kind of look and go, we need to do something a bit more adult for you know the other fans, and and have like a kind of offshoot of that, which, as you say, would be led by X Force or something. Well, so, even, yeah. even the fans that started watching Iron Man what back in two thousand eight, that they're going to be in their twenties now. Like oh, they, they they have grown up with these movies. Like they 
there's no reason why they cannot release a, an R-rated Deadpool movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've just made me feel really old. Thanks, Ryan. Um, <laughs> yes, I did it to myself right. as well. <laughs> yeah, but then that reminds me I was about 25 when Iron Man first came out. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, right, um, I think we'll leave it there. It's been, it's been quite the show, right? Mm-hmm. I knew tonight was going to be a bit different, but even I didn't see it kind of being what it was. But I, I hope it was enjoyable for everybody and uh we will see you for another episode of this in two weeks and uh i think maybe there'll be a universal show next week who knows i I can't even remember what the schedule is anymore but uh make sure you listen and subscribe to all the shows on the network and we'll see you in a couple of weeks of the After Dark Podcast Network.